Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B Guy here. And today, the H1B Guy Live, April 27th, 2022. Taking a look at the June Visa Bulletin for a sneak peek, more H1B lottery data, and taking your questions and comments. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. And you can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguide.com. Today's live stream is brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain, by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys, navigating the complex PERM recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process, and by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa challenges? If your OPT visa is about to expire and you were not selected in the recent H-1B lottery, our partner Mob Squad has the solution. Join the squad. Well, thanks again to everyone who's taken time to jump in here this afternoon. Um, it's hard to believe we are almost to the beginning of May. Um, literally, we are 26 days into the portal for the H-1B lottery um, being open, and that portal meaning the paper application portal, the 90-day period, if you will. Um, there's been a lot of news coverage around the amount of of registrations, electronic registrations that were received surrounding this year's lottery. Um, the last several weeks, I've covered a lot of content and talked about a lot of data surrounding the H-1B lottery, but there's still some more information that continues to come out. And as I continue to, to kind of look at some of the ratios and percentages, there's a few more things that I wanted to talk about here this afternoon. Um, as we look into some of this lottery data. Of course, you know, it's been widely publicized that 483,927 applications were received for fiscal year 2023, uh, and that USCIS subsequently selected 127,600 registrations. But I think the thing that I, I found interesting is last year, if we start to compare some of the data from last year, to some of the data that we see already in place for this year. And, and that is last year in that first selection. So this is for fiscal year 2023. For that first selection, um, there were 87,500 registrations that were selected. And of course, it's widely publicized. 70% uh, application rate from that 87,500 selections um, but I think the interesting thing is we look at year over year, right? And we start to calculate what does this year over year data mean? Um, and the year over year data shows that selections, registration selections for this year were 57% higher. So that means that literally USCIS selected 
40,100 registrations more this year for fiscal year 2023. The other thing that I think was really interesting is we start to look at the difference, right? The, the difference, the increase, the, the significant increase that we saw. And again, for fiscal year 2022, there were 308,613 total registrations. And of course, as I mentioned, USCIS selected 87,500 in that first selection period. But the difference, year-over-year year increase was 175,314 total applications. And if we go back and look at the year-over-year year increases from fiscal year 2021 to fiscal year 2022, um, you know, those were around 33,000-plus increase in year-over-year. But this year we saw a significant jump. And last week during the live stream, I alluded to many things of which, you know, I alluded to the fact that a half a million really applications were received, applications, registrations, however you want to, to, to word it. Um, and we look at the selection behind that. Um, and, you know, I, I speculated about the increase of the non-refundable fee, increasing that fee to maybe even $100 per individual and how that would create a, a lot of revenue um, in place. But I think when you start to peel back some of these uh, probabilities of selection and you start to look at the advanced degree category, you look at the totality of, you know, literally 127,600 out of 483,927, roughly 26% when we look at the 85,000 total available, right? Um, but also when you start to peel back the percentages, 31% of those being in the advanced degree category, it really means that individuals that came to the U.S. to get a master's degree or higher had a 13% probability of, of being selected. And I think that's the thing when you start to look at now the, the the diminishing returns and those diminishing returns are not only for the individual, but they're also for the employer. Yeah, a $10 non-refundable fee, but very low probability. And it's creating a lot of issues. And, and what are some of the causes of that? Uh, of course, we've talked about the the duplicate or double registrations, right? An individual who has multiple employers put their name in as a registration. But if I'm an individual and I'm going, my employer only has a 13% probability or 20% probability, um, I'm going to seek other avenues of organizations that are willing to pay that $10 non-refundable fee. Um, and it, this just leads down the path of what are we to expect going forward? I continue to get asked over and over about the possibility of there being a second H-1B lottery or selection held this year, even with the amount of um, registrations that were selected for this year being, you know, 127,600 for 85,000 slots. Um, and, and I still believe that there will probably be around a 60% application rate out of these 127,600 slots. And so that leads me to believe that anywhere between five to 15,000, again, that's a pretty broad range, but I think five to 15,000 is a good estimate of once the 90 day period is up at June 30th, USCIS will then have a good calculation of the application rate and be able then to determine whether or not a second lottery would be feasible. 
Um, now, over the last several weeks, I've been talking about July 22nd as kind of the ideal benchmark date. Um, I, I think if a second register, second selection of registrations were to be held, it'd be somewhere around or after July 22nd. Could be as uh, early as that or as late as the 29th or even moving into that first week of August, um, which would be somewhere around, I believe, August 5th or 6th. Let me just check really quickly. Um, yeah, August 5th, actually. So those are kind of the, the three consecutive Fridays, starting with July 22nd, July 29th, August 5th. Uh, so if you're wondering like, hey, I, I could possibly be in a cap gap scenario, um, my OPT or my OPT stem is expiring, um, you know, mid-July or mid-June, what do I do? Um, well, unfortunately, you need to make start to begin making second plans because there's a lot of rumors out there about because of how many registrations were selected here. Um, they feel like the possibility of a second lottery has been diminished. I still am fairly confident that a second lottery will happen. Um, I just feel like because of the the the, the number of al allocations that are given annually, um, they have to all be issued out. So I, I still think that going back to that point, um, it leads me to believe that somewhere around the July 22nd through August 5th, a, a second lottery, second selection will be held. Um, and then that would give individuals once that does happen, depending on when it happens, um, you know, a 90 days from from that point. So if we were to say, you know, kind of looking looking through it, August 1st is a Monday um, that would would lead me to believe then, you know, most likely somewhere around the beginning of November, um, the 90 day period would be up. And we we begin to receive notifications of, of a finalization. I, I don't think we'll see a third lottery uh, this year. I think last year was, um, as we've talked about, a bit of an anomaly and maybe unprecedented. But I do believe that one of the cause and effects of moving to this electronic registration um, has has lent itself to there being a second lottery that that most likely will be held. Um, just because of the application rates, right? Even if they select this 127,600, um, the odds are that they're not going to receive 100% applications. In fact, the USCIS is betting on at least a 60%, 66% uh, application response. Um, so again, just to do a quick recap, you know, the number of registrations that were selected this year were 57% higher than last year. Um, an increase was also a registration increase of 175,314 registrations year over year. Um, so this thing is is heading to well over 500,000 next year. Um, I, I think that unless something changes, we're going to continue to see uh, this occur because individuals realize I have a very low probability and I need to put as many um, opportunities out there to be selected as possible. Um, wanted to ask you if you haven't already to please like this video, um, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, and click the bell for notifications uh, so that you're notified anytime we go live, like we have here today on April the 27th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, if you have questions or comments, please post those in the chat. 
Um, I definitely would like to spend the last uh, 15, 20 minutes of today's stream um, interacting and answering your questions and comments. So please post those in the in the chat. We'll get to all of those. I know a lot of you have a lot of questions um, surrounding what, what the next few visa bulletins are going to look like. So I'd, I'd love to talk about that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think about some of this H-1B lottery data as we continue to, to work our way through through this. Uh, if you're looking for ways that you can support the H-1B Guy platform, you can do so currently through the Super Chat um, function here on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, um, there are other manners to which you can support the H-1B Guy platform, buymeacoffee.com slash the H-1B Guy, um, or also in the video description here on YouTube, there are other means to help produce um, content that goes out onto the H-1B Guy platform. I um, really appreciate all those who have taken time to support me in the past um, and everyone who joins me during these live streams. These have become fairly weekly here, and uh, I think we're building a really good community of questions and, and comments as it relates to discussion points um, surrounding reform um, within the H-1B visa, within the employment-based preferences, the green card backlog, um, talking about a lot of the variety of issues going on. Uh, of course, it's been widely discussed, but there are several different pieces of legislation uh, currently um, in various uh, phases, if you will, um, within the House and the Senate uh, discussing or addressing um, immigration reform and looking to create changes uh, surrounding the Immigration and Nationality Act. Um, so a lot of, of moving parts going on here, but of course, the visa bulletin continues to dominate. And it continues to dominate because of the, the growing backlog. It continues to dominate the conversation because of the root cause, the why behind it, right? Um, and a lot of that goes back to that INA, which was put in place in 1990. Um, as we start to look at what that means, you know, we're talking about 32 years, roughly. Um, and, and it's just time. It's time for change. It's time for reform. It's time for beneficial reform, um, not only for high-skilled immigrants, but also for American workers. And it's something that we talk about a lot. Like, I, I think there's, there's a lot of lost conversations out there. And um, earlier last week or in the H-1B Guy News last week for April 22nd, I talked about the fact that there are 11 million currently open jobs in this country and over 2 million of which are, are in tech. And there's no doubt that there's a shortage, but there's also no doubt that there's a skill gap, right? Uh, and, and so a lot of times we talk about well, what are the benefits of, of this skill gap and the benefits are that there are positions that go um, unfilled. And in order for us to fill those positions, we have to do so either by a reskill um, or by immigration. And what we've seen, if we go back to a lot of the restrictive nature um, of our high-skilled immigration laws that we have and pathways to permanent residency, it's open doors and avenues um, for countries like Canada and Australia and the UK and even uh, Germany and Dubai and several others that have come in now and have become just as attractive a destination, if not more, uh, because of the welcoming nature and less restrictive nature for high-skilled immigrants. And so that's why the Visa Bulletin continues to remain a very popular topic of discussion 
Uh, it's a very contentious conversation um, that a lot of individuals, you know, try to ignore and, and don't want to follow. But unfortunately, um, its impact is 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 far reaching. And it's not just the individuals from India, but individuals from China, individuals from Mexico and the Philippines and El Salvador, Guatemala and Honduras. Uh, we talk about their employment-based preferences and categories, specifically generally in, in that EB4 uh, for some of the South American countries. Uh, for a long time, the Philippines showed up in, in employment-based um, uh, dates uh, within the visa bulletin. So again, a lot of it goes back to what I was alluding to earlier, and that's the root cause, right? The 7% cap on employment-based preferences out of the 140,000 green cards that are issued annually in employment-based that are allocated. Uh, so we start to look at what does that mean? Uh, and a lot of that is because, um, and you'll see later this week, but 70, 75% of all H-1Bs um, are generally individuals of Indian origin. And then another, I'd say 10% or so are individuals from China. So then when we start to look at, you have two countries that are roughly 85 to 90% um, of the overall H-1B allocation annually, it, you begin to look at and, and see, um, you know, why this backlog has continued to grow. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the processing delays that we've been talking about very widely as well. Um, but, Ultimately, the advancement of these bulletin dates that we saw for EB3 and what we're seeing for EB2 this year, I think a lot of us realize is, is, is simply a Band-Aid and a little bit of a mirage. Um, I think you hear the growing murmurs of what is October 2022's bulletin going to look like. A lot of you out there feel like there's going to be a significant retrogression that occurs, if not in October or November of 2022. And when we look at what some of the retrogression that happened in India, EB3, China, EB3, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, EB4, um, we saw anywhere between 600 to 700 days of retrogression. So that's two years, roughly if not more, um, that that has a lot of us on, on high alert. And as I've talked about, you know, USCIS continues to accept dates of filing for the visa bulletin, which tells me they want to try to get as many individuals documentarily qualified as possible before the end of this fiscal year. So we're going to continue to monitor this very closely. Um, but if you have questions or comments that you would like to, for me to address concerning, um, you know, the visa bulletin or, or your your current priority dates, and when I think that those dates may be possible, please post those in the chat. I'll love to get to those. But I want to provide some context around some of the the sneak peek for for June, um, and ultimately, I wanted to look at some of the the forward movement that we've seen that's occurred since January in EB2 primarily for India, as well as some for, for China. But be on the lookout on Monday, this coming up Monday, May 2nd, um, I will be putting out the H1B guy forecast, June 
2022 uh, Visa Bulletin Employment-Based Predictions. Um, but right now, what I wanted to do is give you some insight as, as to, to some of the reasoning behind how I come up uh, with some of the movement and looking at some of the trends that we've seen going back to, to January, um, which, you know, ultimately June will be six months of, of the six-month bulletin, uh, just for the calendar year, not the fiscal year. So January 2022 um, in, in EB2 for final action date saw 68 days of forward movement and month over month from December for India and 21 days for China. There was no forward movement for January 2022 EB2 dates of filing in either India or China. Moving on to February for EB2 for final action dates, for India, we saw 177 days of forward movement. And for China, we saw 38 days of forward movement. And then for the February 2022 um, in EB2 for dates of filing, we saw 55 days of forward movement in India, but no forward movement in China. So again, you're seeing some, some of the trends here, which is no forward movement in dates of filing, 55 days of forward movement in, in India specifically. A pretty significant leap happened in, in February uh, for India EB2, but only about a month or so uh, plus for, for China. So moving on to March for final action dates for EB2 for India, we saw 128 days of forward movement. So literally in February and March, um, there was almost... Uh, nine months of forward movement total, uh, but there was no forward movement for dates of filing uh, at all for India or China. And of course, in final action for China, there was no forward movement for March either. So now we move into April where things got really interesting in India EB2. And a lot of this is a pattern that we saw where USCIS was on record talking about, um, you know, requesting an, an exemption. Uh, an exemption waiver of moving from EB, EB3 back to EB2. And in April, for final action dates for Indian EB2, we saw 68 days of forward movement. Uh, and then in the dates of filing, this is where we saw the significant leap, which was a whole year, 365 days of forward movement and dates of filing for April. Um, there was no forward movement for China in EB2 for either final action or dates of filing. So we've seen the China movement really screech to a halt here. Um, all throughout 2022, the calendar year, um, with really only 59 days of total forward movement since January for China in EB2. But the 365 days of forward movement and dates of filing for Indian EB2 for April's 2022 visa bulletin really caught me off guard. I was like not expecting that much of a significant push. But if we start to look back at some of the trends, we saw some significant movement very similar to this in 2021. So let's move in then to the, the May visa bulletin where in EB2 for final action dates for India, we saw 55 days of forward movement. And for dates of filing, we saw three months, 91 days of forward movement. So let's look at these trends then for dates of filing. No movement in January, 55 days in February, no movement in March, 365 days in April, and then another 91 days in May. 
Of course, in EB2, it's been fairly consistent. There's been good movement. 68 days in January, 177 days in February, 120 days in March, 68 days in April, and 55 days in May. So I think this leads me to believe that if you kind of look at some of the trends that have been going on here, um, it really is apparent that in EB2, these dates are going to continue to move in a couple month increments. Um, and, and I think that that kind of goes without saying for any of you who have been tracking this, that I, I think we'll continue to see two to three months of forward movement for final action for India EB2. The question is, is for China and EB2, when are we going to see forward movement again for China and EB2? And to me, that, that really has been an anomaly. Um, I still expect to see some sort of forward movement for China in EB2 for final action and even dates of filing before the end of the fiscal year. I just don't know whether that's going to occur in June, uh, July, August, or even maybe September. But moving on to the dates of filing, right? We start to look at, okay, um, no movement in January, two months of movement in February, no movement in March, a year in April, and three months in May. And I still believe that based on um, this huge push, this significant increase, this visibility that USCIS is giving um, around the processing of the, the I-485s, uh, I think we'll continue to see a, a push to increase dates of filing. I think the dates of filing will continue to increase anywhere between a month to three months. Um, I just, as of right now, I have not concern, have not, um, have not come to a final decision on, um, on where I believe that, that India EB2 dates of filing will be. Uh, but I do believe we'll continue to see movement. I think when we look at the trends for EB3 though, those trends show me that there is not going to be any movement for the foreseeable future, foreseeable future, meaning over the next few months as we move into the last quarter, um, which would be July, August, and September, uh, Q4 for fiscal year 2022 uh, uh, for USCIS. So we'll continue to monitor and, and track these very closely. Of course, as I said on Monday, I'll be putting out the H-1B guy forecasts. Uh, June 2022 Visa Bulletin Employment-Based Predictions. Um, but what do you guys think? Are, are you thinking there's going to be some con, con, some similar movement as I've been discussing here? Um, it sure seems to be all over the place. I, I will say if I'm, I'm sitting at a 2015 date, uh, maybe in uh, mid-2015, I'm really anxious to see what happens over June and July here. And if that means good news for me, heading into August or September um, with a lot of the, the murmurs and, and rumors circling around the possibility of, uh, of retrogression occurring uh, as early as October of, of 2022. Um, just wanted to ask you again, if you haven't already, please like this video. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and click the bell for notifications. Uh, if you're looking for ways you can support the H1B Guy platform, um, you can do so through the Super Chat function currently here on YouTube. Um, also at buymeacoffee.com slash the H1B guy. Uh, if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, would appreciate you taking time to hit that like and uh, support the H1B guy platform. 
Um, gonna go ahead and, and take some time now to jump into the questions and comments that I've received um, so far. And as we go through this, please feel free to, to drop other questions or comments here in the chat and I will get to them as time permits here over the next 15 minutes or so. So the first question I got was from KKR and it says, how far do I think dates will move for dates of filing for India EB2? And I guess if that question is around June visa bulletin, uh, as of right now, I'm thinking that those dates could move anywhere between, as I said, 30, uh, 30 days to 90 days, right? And, and we're looking at what, December 2014 right now. Um, so I, I, again, I think it could be anywhere as little as January 2015, uh, possibly all the way to, to to February or March of 2015. And the reason why I say that is I really believe USCIS wants to advance these dates of filing as far into 2015 as they can. Excuse me. And they'll continue to accept the dates of filing all the way through the rest of the fiscal year in order to get as many individuals as they can documentarily qualified, meaning adjustment of status has been filed under dates of filing. Okay. So great question there, KKR. Really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join me here this afternoon. RRH asks, do you think EB cases transferred from Texas and Nebraska service centers um, to NBC will be processed before the end of the fiscal year? Yeah, the push is on, right? I mean, I think anytime you hear the press um, get an opportunity to speak with the, the director of USCIS or Jadu. You always hear an emphasis on um, the amount of cases that they've been processing in the beginning of the fiscal year and in Q2 as well. Um, of course, the visibility is here, right? We look at the thousands and thousands of uh, spillover green cards that, that employment-based green cards that went to waste because of lack of processing capabilities um, within USCIS walls. So yeah, I, I think I think there, there's a possibility. Um, the question becomes, what does that mean for your actual green card, right? Um, many individuals in, in your case are, have received an EAD with, with advanced parole because their I-45 has been pending uh, for more than 180 days. Um, but I'm hopeful, you know, we've talked about the, the Texas and Nebraska service centers a good bit. Um, you don't have to go very far uh, to look on Google and look at the reviews for each of these individual locations and understand that, you know, there is a cultural issue that's that's stemming here internally. Um, and I'd, I'd really like to give the, the USCIS director urge to do a benefit of the doubt that, that she's had a very difficult job. Um, over the last year and, and cleaning up this this toxic culture that existed internally within uh, U.S. Um, citizenship and immigration services. Uh, but great question. I'm hopeful for you that it does happen. Um, but let's uh, let's continue to monitor it and please keep me posted. Hey, Lagar, how are you? Will there be a second H-1B draw or even third? If yes, when do you think it will be announced? Yeah, I've talked about this a good bit, Lagar. I did cover it early in um, today's live stream, but just to give you a quick recap of, of where I'm at on this, I, I still really am in significant um, 
favor of of going on record and and i feel like there's still a very high probability of a second lottery will be held this year um i just feel like even if uh 60% of the 127 respond to their selection this year you're still going to have anywhere between 5 to 15,000 H1Bs that still will need to be allocated and that's where that sec- subsequent second lottery will occur I-, I think this was one of the unforeseen patterns that U- USCIS um wasn't really prepared for when they implemented the electronic registration process uh, back for the first time in March of 2020. Uh, but I do believe if you want a time frame, I'd say as early as July 22nd um, through August 5th. And if it doesn't happen between those three weeks, then I would be fairly confident in saying that the possibility of it happening um, would, would significantly diminish. Um, but I still am very confident in going on record and saying that I do believe there'll be a second lottery held. And I believe that I would be um, anywhere between July 22nd through August 5th. Hey, Shirag, how are you? Uh, how much EB2 India would move forward by next year? I joined late. and sure if you already answered it. Yeah, I, I briefly covered it um, for a few minutes here. I think that you know, the thing that, that I feel confident in saying right now, Shirag, is, is it feels like to me that for final action specifically, um, they're going to continue to advance the dates in, in roughly two-month increments. So that could be anywhere between 55 to 61, 62 days, depending on the month. Um, and I also feel like when it comes down to dates of filing, uh, it really feels like to me they want to advance the EB2 dates of filing for India as far into 2015 as they can before the end of the fiscal year. Um, so I believe that we'll continue to see dates of filing advance really incrementally over June, July, August, September, um, anywhere between those 30 to, to 90 day marks. Um, I just am unsure because that, that whole year really threw me off in, in some of my calculations and, and how I go about um, coming up with my predictions. Uh, but I, I also feel confident in kind of reading between the lines and saying that it just feels like to me that 60 days is kind of the right number for both final action and dates of filing to continue to be advanced um, through September's bulletin. Uh, so, you know, again, if, if we want to look at that and say, well, what does that mean then, um, you know, for, for dates of filing, I believe if they do continue to do the 60, 90, you could see India EB2 dates of filing advance as far as maybe December, 2015 by September. But that also leads us to believe that retrogression is imminent as early as October. So I hope that answers your question, Shirag. Thanks for taking time to, uh, to join my stream here this afternoon. Really appreciate your support. Hey, Adarsh, how are you? I lost my original passport after my H1B lottery selection. So will the new passport ID number being issued is different? Will that cause any issue in filing application with USCIS? No, it shouldn't because literally you're, you're submitting a full formal paper petition, which includes copies of uh, your new passport. 
Um, so I would make sure just, I, I'm assuming that you've already gotten or applied for the renewal or submitted a request for the lost passport. And once you have that, that new one, um, the good news is you still have roughly 60 days to get your paper application in with USCIS. So you do have some time. I definitely understand why this would cause some concern and anxiety for you, but I don't believe or foresee that that would create any issues for you going forward. Um, but keep me posted. I'd love to know how it works out for you and, and really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to join the stream here today, Adarsh. Thank you. Hey, Way, how are you? Thank you for joining again, as you always do. Really appreciate your continued and ongoing support. Um, do I think EB1 for China will stay current for the rest of the year and beyond? Yeah, I do. I, I think EB1, um, very clearly, while I continue to do predictions on it, um, I've gotten some, some feedback that why do I continue to predict EB1 when they continue to remain current? Well, those individuals forget that as recent as March, February, March of last year, EB1 dates were not current. Um, so yeah, I do expect them to remain current. I expect them to remain current into the foreseeable future. Um, that means through the rest of this year and definitely well into next year. Um, I, I just, I don't see the number demand in EB1 to be as great, um, based on some of the data and some of the reports that I've been looking at. So I do expect EB1 to remain current for China, for India, and then for rest of, of the world as well. Um, Good for for now and and well into to next year but thank you for your continued support way I, I really appreciate it just wanted to ask you again if you haven't already please like this video subscribe to the h1b guide channel here on youtube uh, click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we go live like we have here today on april 27th 2022 at 2 p.m eastern want to thank everyone who's taking time to drop a question or comment in the chat. I do have time for a few more questions and comments, so I'm going to continue to go through those. If you're looking for ways to support the H1B Guide platform, you can do so through the Super Chat function here on YouTube um, and also at buymeacoffee.com slash the H1B Guide. Hey, Tony, how are you? Any chance for EB2 March 2017? Yeah, Tony, I'd say July if you're asking for dates of filing. Okay. Um, I think July is a good, good number for you. July one, as of right now, um, I, I don't foresee dates of filing for India EB2 to advance past March 1st, 2015. I think that would be the maximum, uh, forward movement that we'd see as of right now, but we'll continue to monitor this for you, Tony. But yeah, if I'm you, I'm thinking July looks really good to me right now. Um, but we'll see uh, what what June looks like. And, uh, you know, really anything could happen. Definitely, you're seeing a lot of emphasis from USCIS to advance these EB2 dates, both dates of filing and final action. Um, but again, if I kind of stick with what I said, which is anywhere between 30 to 90 days, I'd put it January to March 1st. So I don't think you'll see your date yet, but I think you'll see that in July. Hey, nice Cindy songs. How are you? Do I think October 2014 NEA EB2 will be current and final action dates by the end of this fiscal year? Well, we have to think about final action dates in six to 12 month increments of dates of filing. 
So if we go by that, right, that means that December 2014 is current in dates of filing for India EB2 as of right now. <clears throat> of course, six months from now is October or November. And that's when we are hearing these murmurs of possible retrogression. Um, if you were looking for a possibility or a percentage of probability, I'd say you probably have about a 25% chance that in September's visa bulletin that October 2014 for final action would be current. So yeah, I think it's possible by the very end of the fiscal year. Um, but again, let's let's keep track on what happens with the dates of filing over the next couple of months. And I think that that will give us some more insight for you. But right now, if I'm you, yes, I think it is a possibility for final action for you by the end of the year, even though I'm breaking that six to 12 month rule um, from, from the dates of filing. Hey, Vikrant, how are you? Is it possible to get GC for EB2 India for priority date of February 1st, 2015 and current year? Yeah, I, honestly, Vikrant, if I'm you right now, I'm getting all of my documents in order because I do believe you have a very high possibility um, of a February 1st, 2015 date um, as early as this June visa bulletin. Um, so please continue to monitor it and, uh, you know, I'll be putting out my forecast on Monday, but I think there's a very high probability for you for dates of filing to be current in this upcoming, uh, June visa bulletin. Um, if not possibly the July visa bulletin. Hey, Divya, how are you? Um, will EB3 India move forward in 2022? No, I, unfortunately I don't think it will. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for you, but we've just not seen any movement at all in India EB3 for final action or dates of filing since the retrogression that occurred uh, in November. Um, and I think that that'll continue to be the same situation going forward. Hey, Wahid, do I see any changes for H4 Kids Age Out rule? I absolutely do. Uh, I think the America's Children's Act has a very high probability um, uh, of, of passing. Uh, I think you see a lot of bipartisan support for it. And if it's not that piece of legislation as a standalone, I think you'll see it as a bigger part of immigration reform. And also, you know, we're still holding out hope of the possibility of there being executive action surrounding locking, uh, the dates and, and all of the CSPA and everything that, that associates with that. But yeah, we're going to continue to talk about this and champion this cause here on this platform. Um, and it's not just for H4 kids. It's also for E2 dependents as well, Wahid, which I think makes this whole documented dreamer scenario um, much bigger than, than, than just H1B stuck in the backlog. Um, so I do think that, that it has a very high possibility of uh, sometime in the next year. I'd say by the end of next year, 2023, I think that we'll see um, that that age out. There's there will be protections for documented dreamers from aging out. And last question of the day comes from Nur. Can we expect January 20, uh, 2015 filing dates and EB2 June visa And I think so, Nur. If it's not January 1st, 2015, which would be very disappointing to you, 
I, again, I think February or March, as of right now, that's kind of where I'm at. I think that that either of those two are most likely going to be the date that we'll see for dates of filing for the June Visa Bulletin for India and EB2. So thank you to everyone, KKR, RRH, uh, Lagar, Shirag, Adarsh, Way, Tony, Nice Hindi Songs, Vikrant, Divya, Wahid, um, and Nur. Thank you all for your questions and comments. I really appreciate you all taking time here to join in this live stream today. Um, I just wanted to remind you, look for the H1B Guy News this Saturday. Um, I've been releasing that on a pretty regular Saturday cadence. Um, and then Monday on May 2nd, the H1B Guy forecast, June 2022, Visa Bulletin employment-based predictions. Um, I also want to remind you that on May 11th at 3 p.m., I'm going to be having a live stream where I'm going to be hosting uh, Arif Kamani from Mob Squad. And we're going to talk about their services and options that they provide for individuals who um, have some uncertain statuses here in the U.S. or if you're located outside of the U.S. and looking to get to North America. Um, I also want to remind everyone that today's live stream is brought to you by uh, our partner, Syndesis and Path to Canada. They provide an ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answers. To find out if you qualify, please be sure to use the link in the video description below and someone from Syndesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. And also by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. If you're looking to reduce your costs and overhead associated with perm labor certification recruitment advertising, let perm-ads.com help you. And also by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa challenges? If your OPT visa is about to expire and you were not selected in the recent H-1B lottery, our partner Mob Squad has a solution. They help technology professionals facing U.S. work visa uncertainty remain with their current U.S. company nearshore from Canada, as well as technology professionals from around the world who are seeking an opportunity to find a rewarding career in North America. Through their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a Canadian work permit for you and as little and for you and your spouse in as little as six to eight weeks. Whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or you want to find a new opportunity in Canada, please find out how the team at Mob Squad can help you via the link in the description below. Join the squad. So ask you one last time to please like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, and click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we go live like we have here today on April 27th, 2022 at 2 p.m. Eastern. If you've made it this far, really appreciate you taking time to join my live stream and watching my video. I really appreciate your support. I'm Robert. I'm the H-1B guy, your global source for all things H-1B.